Blog Talk Radio. Washington, D.C., via Radio 3111 via Radio Saigon, and I'm looking at uh, across the country on B560.com. It is Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com, America's premier sports music talk program. I'm your host, Mike Gardner, joined with me, creator of B560, the notorious Ben Florence here in the studio. As we give you a great show on hand, we will talk some Sweet 16 Elite 8 preview, and we'll get to some football news. NCAA college football news as well that has come across the wire over the past few weeks. We'll begin today with the uh, the beginning of our nation's pastime. It is our baseball MLB extravaganza. Oh, yeah. Where 30 teams will duke it out once again for a chance to go to the playoffs and a World Series. We saw last year the the Sox of Boston a a year before last tanked under now Sacred Heart President Bobby Valentine. No, athletic director. Athletic director. president. At least not yet. Not yet. And then this year they ended up going on to win the World Series. But before all that, are you excited for baseball season? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it always seems like a long winter for baseball. That's because it is. You know, we haven't had baseball since the end of October. And then now the beginning of April, it's great for uh, – as you mentioned, our national pastime to return. I'm excited for baseball. Uh, always love, like, the start of the baseball season. It's just, it's awesome. There are a few times rarely like it. Opening day is this upcoming, well, the fall opening day is upcoming Monday. Technically, the Dodgers and the uh, Padres. No, Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks got their uh, season off, and they played in Sydney, Australia. Cricket grab. Couple uh, last week, and and then you got Dodgers, um, Padres kicking off on Sunday night. But the real opening day is Monday. Uh, there are a few things like it in sports, and I am excited, and I am certain that you are as well. Ozzy Smith ever get it? A national holiday? He was leading the Budweiser campaign to get. Uh, opening day is an official holiday. How great would that be? Did he ever follow through with that? Uh, I don't think that's gotten anywhere because I haven't heard anything about there being another national holiday. I would be 100% down. I think the day at the Super Bowl should be a holiday. Uh, opening day. We need we need more days off from class, basically. Or work. Or work. Or both. If you work at a school, then everybody works. So I think that we, we need to... Um, but yeah, I mean, now that I don't think it's going to happen, uh, logistically speaking, but hey, man can dream. All right, so one thing we do, we have done in this show in the past is go division by division and break it down oh, before seeing who the front runners are yeah. and this big storyline and ultimately predict 162 games before it even happened. Absolutely. Who will win the World Series? 
as we will start with the National League East. Featuring teams that feature our Washington Nationals. That's right. They had a down season last year. Yeah, and they still, there's the thing, they had a down season, they still won 86 games. It was great. No Davey Johnson this year, though. That's right. We got Matt Williams. He's officially stepped down to be a front office job, Mm. as reported by a good friend and Washington Post, now Metro reporter Tom Shad, back when he was interning with the Nationals. No relation to uh, ESPN's Joe Shad. Not at all. They're in a division like with Shad. the Phils, the Marlins. Then you have Jaron Berman's Mets, who signed, who is it, Bartolo Colon. And Curtis And my boy Curtis Granderson. And the Hotlanta Braves, who have always been on the cusp of being a team that could break out. Yeah. Out of this division, it is pretty open. We have our, the bottom of the bottom, the lowest of the lows, the Marlins, yep. among others. Phillies. But who could uh, duke it out and win this division? Some are saying Braves, some are saying Nationals. I think this is a two-team race, but I do think that the favorite right now is the Washington Nationals. The, the problem with the Braves is that they've had, already had a lot of injuries to their rotation. If they had, like, a couple, like, last week, they put five pitchers on the 15-day DL. They've had, they've already left Brandon Peachy for the year. They lost, um, I forget who the other guy was, and another key starter. So I think that Washington made a great, I thought they made a great hire bringing Matt Williams. I think he's going to do very well. It's going to bring a lot, I think, a lot more energy than, uh, David Johnson, and they improved their rotation by, instead of uh, replacing Dan Aaron with Doug Fister, where they applied for essentially nothing for Detroit, which I still don't get how Washington pulled that off. Then you got Anthony Rendon, who will take over at second base. I think this is a very good Washington national team. I think they're going to win the NL East. Well, uh, the Braves will, it will be interesting to them. I think they'll, I think they could be a wild card team. And I think they could win the division if their pitching holds up. But as of right now, I think Washington is the team to beat while you've got Miami. They're not going to be a contender, at least for another year. Although, they've got some exciting young players. The star in the making is uh, Jose Fernandez. The Mets, I think, could be a 500 team. I think they made some good moves bringing in, as you mentioned, Cologne, Granderson. You with them, Matt Harvey, I think they can crack 500 for the first time in what seems like several years. Well, Philadelphia still acts like they're playing in 2009. And if, they, if it was 2009, this team would be a team to beat. But now, Philadelphia, they're going nowhere fast as well. So, But I think the team to beat in that division, once again, will be the Washington Nationals. I agree with you. They return a lot of guys that have consistently been in the lineup since they made that great NL East run. Won the division. Played the, card, played the eventual wasn't it, World Series champ Cardinals? Yeah. Yes. That's right. Exactly. They returned uh, Adam LaRoche, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, everyone's favorite, Bryce Harper, King of D.C. Absolutely. And hopefully this year, a full season with the immortal Steven Strasburg. That's right. That is right. But uh, this is a team that I think is in great shape. And, again, we talked about them being a disappointment. They still won 86 games. So it wasn't like they were, you know, awful. They just – had very high expectations after I had them in the World Series. Yeah, true. After their breakthrough year, 2012, which was awesome to be here for. But I think this is a team that is very well set up to win that division. All right, we'll stay. We'll do. We'll keep it in the National League. We will now go to the NL Central, a big division with a lot of history, a lot of 
tradition, mainly including this is the 100th year of Wrigley Field, which everyone loves, now that lights. That's right. Well, headlights for like 25 years now. And this is also the most wild division last year, featuring the story of the season, the Pittsburgh Pirates, able to win the wild card, Dexter uh, McCutcheon, or Andrew McCutcheon was, not Dexter McCluster, Andrew McCutcheon was the NL MVP, but then you also have the St. Louis, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are bringing back Ryan Braun, well, people love him, hate him, boo him, throw peanuts at him. And, of course, you have the Cincinnati Reds. They made the playoffs, too, didn't they? That's right. And the St. Louis Cardinals, who have consistently been my favorite team in baseball just because of, like, how they're like the steel curtain of the NFL in the 70s. Always managed to be in the mix. That's right. And win. You have the Cardinals re- uh, going back. Are they, they won the division last year? They did. Have them repeating? I think they will, and I think they're a team that is, with uh, definitely one of the favorites to win the World Series. This team doesn't really have any flaws except for maybe depth in their bullpen. They got an excellent lineup. They made a bunch of very good moves in the offseason. They, uh, Which you noted during our um, Fanatic Radio spring training recap. That's right. And bringing guys like Johnny Peralta will bring a more pop at shortstop. Peter Borges will help their uh, – Outfield defense greatly. Uh, Mark Ellis is a solid reserve uh, second baseman. They traded David Freeze, who was terrible last year. He was awful. And they're moving Matt Carpenter to third, opens up a spot for Colton Wong. The starting rotation is excellent. I think the rest of the division is definitely a step down now. I don't think it's going to be as good as this year because Pittsburgh really didn't do anything in the offseason. Neither did Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I think it's going to miss Shinsu Chu. I think the lineup is going to be weakened as a result. I think Milwaukee could be a sleeper team, potentially finish as high as second in that division, even though I do think they'll probably finish around third or fourth. Because I think, I really think Ryan Brown's going to come back and have a big year. He was terrible last year. He had the steroid uh, issues, the suspension, but he also was hurt. I think he's going to come back. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. They got some solid starters. They brought in a Matt Garza. They got Marco Estrada when he's healthy, if he's healthy. Very good. And I think this is a, a Milwaukee team that definitely pushed 500. They really only had a terrible March or a terrible, I think, May last year. They were like six out of like 28 games. The rest of the year, they're around 500. Uh, Chicago is still several years off. They're still in the building process. They still have Starling Castro? They do. And it'll be key for new manager Rick Renteria to kind of get him back and uh, get him back to in his groove. All right, our final division in the National League, the NL West, which is headlined by, which was the, the team of the summer. And now apparently, according to Forbes, the highest payroll in Major League Baseball this year, be Los Angeles Dodgers. That's right. We're turning Cy Young winner, my boy, Holland Park alum Clayton Kershaw. Of course, they're already 1-0, so they won in Sydney. Yeah. They play the Giants and the Diamondbacks in a pretty weak division. They had, the, the Dodgers made the NLCS last year. I mean, just short. Now they get a full season with Mike Friel's boy, Yasiel Puig. Yes. Let's see how long the uh, the juggernaut goes through, a se- uh, through an entire season of 162 games. Don Manley is now, I think, his third year as manager. 
And this pretty much is LA's division to lose. Absolutely. I think that Los Angeles is definitely the team to be. They got very good rotation, very expensive rotation, but very good, solid lineup. We actually see what we'll get of a full year of Yasiel Puig, all the shenanigans and all that, but all crazy talents. But this division is kind of interesting because I think so the Diamondbacks they posed. They're all right. They're 500. They, they, they could be in the mix, maybe get a wild card, even though I do not like their offseason at all. The Giants, they posed the biggest threat to the Dodgers yeah, last year. exactly. And they were a disappointment last year, and they did drop 15 wins from the year before. But this is also a team that looks like they're going to be they're on one year, they're off one year. I think that the Giants will definitely be a contender division in the wild card, and I think a team to watch out for. Um is going to be the San Diego Padres. I think they could potentially make some action, uh, uh, push some action in that division, maybe push 500. I think there's some good players on that team. And uh, while I don't think uh, Colorado will be there, I think San Diego could possibly be a bit of a sleeper in that division. But I do think that definitely L.A. is the team to be. Magic's L.A. That's right. Okay. Sam, San Diego has nobody I know, and that's just how, how less of baseball I really care. So the fans out there, I apologize in advance. We are doing, I am doing my best to are you really, be enthusiastic for the baseball season. Are you really? But I'm looking at this team. I think Ian Kennedy is the only guy I know on this entire project. He's a good player. I mean, uh, I like Andrew Kashner a lot in the rotation. you got Judd Giorco at a second base, rock solid second baseman. This is not a terrible team. And I think Bud Black's a solid manager. I think it's going to be, uh, going to be an interesting club. I'm excited. I'm already looking ahead to the Dodgers in the playoffs because it'll be interesting how they do it during the season because teams with high pick rolls usually do pretty bad. We saw the Angels well, when they first signed. But they had a huge payroll last year. And they get Matt Kemp healthy. That was right. one of the reasons why they did not go to the World Series. They probably could have won the World Series last yeah, year. Right. They got Carl Crawford, Hanley Ramirez, Adrian Gonzalez. Things look bright for the Dodgers, and it's all because of Magic Johnson. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting about the NL West. When I was a counselor at Camp at Mackey up in Vermont, I had, I, in one cabin I had a camper named Carl Crawford and a camper named Pablo Sandoval. That's fantastic. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I swear to God, it was awesome. And, yeah, that was great. He was from Mexico. He was an awesome, that was a great uh, great kid. Called Crawford, I remember him as well. But, yeah, we had a couple of key players in the National League West. Sandoval, wasn't he World Series MVP? Uh, I think he was. He hit the walk-off of the home run. That's right. Grand Slam, yeah. Interesting numbers to throw your way, fans. $232.7 million. This is pretty, this is, you'll, you'll see throughout this episode, this is our money episode, because we're throwing a lot of weird figures at you and comparing them. Uh, but as long as we're not throwing actual money at them. Because they can't see it, this is radio. Exactly. $232.7 million. That's almost as much as the Giants and Diamondbacks payroll combined. <laughs> Those two teams combined are $251.3 million, reported by our good friends at SP Nation. Shout out to them. Now to the American League. And we'll start with the American League Central because the final two are teams that are near and dear to our hearts. KL Central. What? Featuring, you'll see, understand where I'm going with this. Oh, God. This is a division 
that had some sparks, sparks and sparks. The Cleveland Indians, okay. as I'm cataloging, making a look. Yes. As the Cleveland Indians made a run, but other than that, the Twins, black, the White the Black Sox, the White Sox. The Sox. Uh, it's pretty much the Detroit Tigers. No Prince Fielder this year, though. But you return one of the greatest players in baseball of our of our generation, Miguel Cabrera, and one of the best pitchers of the modern era, and Justin Verlander. Tigers are pretty good this year, don't they? Uh, I think they're going to be good. Uh, I don't think they're going to be great, and I don't think it's going to be easy for them. And I can very well see them not winning this division. Let's say no Jim Leyland, which is right ahead. Brad Ausmus from the Magic for the first time. I thought that was a great hire. I like when teams go a little outside the box. Doesn't have any uh, – he's always been very well-respected, very intelligent player, but no coaching experience. Uh, kind of similar to what had the Cardinals deal with Megan Lafitte. But I think that they're – um, I think they made a solid move trading uh, Prince Red Fielder so they could put Mickey Cabrera back at first base, and they improved his second, gets him a pop. They had a little speed without Ian Kinsler. We're not too happy about being traded from Texas, but that's just bizarre. But I don't understand why they traded Doug Fitzgerald, as I mentioned. They gave him up for nothing, which makes some people wonder, is there something else with Doug Fitzgerald that nobody knows about? And I think this is a solid team. I'm not as bullish on them as others are. And, again, I think if they're not careful, if they're a little too complacent, I think they could win the division. I think they will win the division, but I think it will be an interesting race at the top of that, uh, the AL Central. Who will challenge them? I think the Kansas City Royals. Really? I really do. I, th- I could definitely see Kansas City getting into the playoffs this year for the first time in, like, 29 years. I was say not since, like, the George Brett years. Not, not, not since they won the 85 World Series. I think it was 85. But this is a team, uh, the one concern I have about them is that beyond James Shields, the rotation is not great. But their lineup is excellent. They finally get the uh, leadoff hitter they needed, the table setter Nate Nor- Norichi Aoki from Milwaukee, a very good outfielder. And they massively upgraded the second base by bringing in Omar Infante from Detroit. I think, and this was a good team last year. They got a really strong lineup. I think this could finally be the year. Mike Mustaka, that third base, breaks out. And I think this is a team that could very well be in the postseason. And they had a great year last year. It's their first winning season in a long time. But the one concern I do have about them is that the rotation is not very deep. Well, what will be key for their rotation, though, will be if, Someone, like I mentioned, someone needs to step up behind James Shields. And a lot of people, or a guy that a lot of people are excited about is Jordano Ventura, a young fireballer Dominican uh, from the DR. And I think that he could has the potential to be a rock solid number two behind James Shields and make this Kansas City team even more explosive. Not as good, not as good Dominican as uh, Ardalis Chapman. That's right. The Haas from uh, Cincinnati, who threw like a hundred mile hour fastball, like like our good friend Randy Johnson. So still has the Royals challenging the Tigers. I'll be curious to know. I don't follow as much as I said. I don't follow baseball. I'll be curious to know how much a manager makes the difference. Uh-huh. Jim Leyland led a team to a World Series. Good hitting, always good pitching, great pitching last year. Right. What what Max difference? Scherzer, Furlander, Scherzer on the Cy Young last yeah. year, and. Berlin the year before. Interesting to see 
how much in baseball a man, because you see it in sports all the time, you see it in football, you see it in yeah. basketball. Yeah. On college basketball this year, Mike Brennan. Hey, we love Mike Brennan. And so I'll be curious to see how um, Brad Asmus, is that how you say his name? Yeah. How he does with, he basically comes into a very talented team. We now go to the AL West featuring the Texas Rangers. Hi, Texas Rangers. As Ian Kinsler told, uh, what's his name, Josh McDaniels? John McDaniels. John Daniels. John Daniels. Who's Josh McDaniels? Josh McDaniels was the former coach of the Broncos. Yes. Yes, Kid Mac. Kid Mac. Yeah, the offensive coordinator. Kid Mac. Offensive, that's what my dad called him. Offensive coordinator of the, the Patriots. So that's the side point. AL West, Texas Rangers, Ian Kinsler. His man got traded. Yep. The Rangers go 0 162. But that won't happen. I don't think it will happen. I'll probably end up winning the entire division. But this has been a division that has made me happy, sad, glad, and mad all at the same time. That's a lot of emotion. Because last year, a little team called the Oakland A's had to try yeah. and actually won the, the division, forcing the Rangers to go to a wild card in which they lost. That means they have gone to the World Series twice, failed, and then failed to make the playoffs. That's right. It's very sad. But yet the Rangers keep trying. Nolan Ryan has something up his sleeves, and we bring in... Nolan Ryan is not a part of the franchise anymore. No, he's not. Was. Well, he was. We bring in... We, we do three things that are great for the Rangers. Oh, God. We re-sign Ron Washington, which I was very surprised. Because usually in baseball, if you don't perform, you're done. Yep. I'm surprised they kept... That's why I'm surprised I'm still on this radio show. I'm surprised Ron Washington's still on the team. And they have brought in a man named Sin Su Chu and a familiar face named Prince Fielder. Yes. All but guaranteeing, or maybe not, that the Rangers could win the division. I think they could win the division. I don't think they will, but they definitely could. Uh, I think that the decision to bring in uh, Chu and Fielder, actually, I'm still uncertain about the division, so I shouldn't say that I don't think they will. But I'm not certain about them yet. They did lose a lot of good players. Kins was obviously gone. Fraszynski was a good catch here. Nelson Cruz, who was big in the postseason That's right. in years past. We do have you, Darvish, though, who I think is maybe his second year. Yeah, but he's uh, starting the year on the disabled list, so which is always a great sign when he will return. But I think that, you know, I love the, the Shin Su Chu signing. Shin Su Chu signing. I think he gives them a lot leadoff that they never they haven't had in a long time. Prince Fielder is a declining player, but his power is Beautiful fit for whatever they're calling that stadium in beautiful Arlington, Texas. I think it's just the ballpark in Arlington. No, it's got like some funky sponsor now. But the problem for me with them is their rotation beyond you, Darvish. A lot of question marks. And you, and Darvish is starting the year off. Um, he's hurt. So I think that that rotation. Yes, Globe Life Park in Arlington which is great. I don't know what global life is. You know, you're, you're a Texan. You're an Arkansan. Right? Hello? Financial service holdings. Oh, great. Remember when AmeriQuest sponsored that back when AmeriQuest was a thing? Those are the days. But I, uh, I think that you have your doubts. So you think the Oakland A's? Or Angel Anaheim. A fan of this A's team, I think the A's, uh, they do have injury issues of their own, but they have a very good lineup. 
I saw a lot where they have a bunch of platoon guys, which we don't see much of platoons anymore. But I think platoons are a key way to get the maximize the most out of the lineup. Talented rotation, even as uh, no no Bartolo Colon though. Yeah, Gerard Parker is out for the year. He's having Tommy John. AJ Griffin is gonna has got elbow tendonitis. But I think that this Oakland team got a good manager and Bob Melvin. I think they're, in my opinion, the favorites to win that division. Although I, there's still much to be decided. I'm not certain yet. I think a team that could also win the division is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And I know one of the few people that does call them the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because my mom is from the Anaheim area. And it's just completely absurd that they're called the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim just to get the Los Angeles thing in there. It's like the Dallas Cowboys of Arlington. Exactly. Which is just innate. And it doesn't even sound right because Los Angeles in Spanish is the Angels. Yep. So it's completely absurd. But they made some very good, they had a very good offseason, got rid of Mark Trumbo, even if they don't, uh, they'll miss his power. But this is the second, this is the second year of, of Josh Hamilton. That's right. And, and third year of Albert Pujols. And those two have both been disappointed. And then you get, and then you return Mike Trout, who is getting paid exactly $1 million. Yeah, he is. Amazing. Uh, he's my age, and he is probably two of me smashed together. That's right. And he's a Jersey product. How about that? Love that. But I, I, could, see, I could see them winning this. I could very well see the Angels winning this division. They, they have disappointed the last two years. you got a little more pressure on Mike Sosha, who I still think is a very good manager. But it's possible maybe they need a breath of fresh air. But, again, teams always blame the manager no matter what because it's easier to blame a manager than, you know, million-dollar playing players. But I think this Angels team could very well win the uh, win the division as well. I think the, the, the top three teams in the NLS could all win that division. Beyond that, maybe Seattle. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Seattle team. You know, after they had a very expensive offseason, they brought in Robinson Cano. They definitely overpaid, but they had to overpay. Best second baseman in baseball. To be honest, the lineup is very inconsistent. Uh, they got Felix Hernandez, but uh, Iwakuma, who's awesome last year, is starting out the year hurt. So I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they should They should be improved. Now we go to the final before we uh, wrap up our MLB opening day season preview. The American League East, home of Ben Florence's New York Yankees. That's right. But that also is a division with Tampa Bay, who has always been in the mix with good pitching and young guys in the farm system, and the returning World Series champions in the Boston Red Sox. Now, Flo's Yankees continue to do that they did and spend millions of dollars for, for talent yep. as they got the biggest biggest pitcher of the offseason, Mashiro Tankana. Tanaka. Tanaka, who is yeah. described as some as the second coming, which is absurd. But the Yankees added him. Jacoby Ellsbury. That's right. Carlos Beltran. That's right. Ryan McCann was yep. very good. Yep. With the Braves. And there's no Alex Rodriguez this year. Nope. Are you excited and 
optimistic about the Bronx Bombers. I I am I am more excited than I was going to last season. Last year, I'm like this team should is not going to be a playoff. And the roster was awful, really disappointing, at least for Yankee standards. And how Joe Girardi got like 86 wins out of that team is really remarkable. I mean, Joe Girardi gets a lot of heat because it never needed to be a manager to be dork, uh, much less anywhere. But he really got a lot out of that team to where we were in. Yankees were in the playoff line much longer than they should have been. I think that I, lo- I really like the offseason. They spent a lot. Sure, they spent a lot of money in Ellsbury, but he'll give you some more speed. Excellent defense in the outfield. Uh, Brian McKinnon was a great signing because we haven't had a good-hitting catcher since Jorge uh, Posada left. We got nothing last year out of the catcher position. Beltron should give us some pop in the uh, you know, offseason. And I like the Tanaka signing. I think our rotation will be very good. Uh, CeCe Sabathia looks skinny. Does he really? you you got to check this out because it's, it's weird how skinny he is. So um, there's hope that he, he may be in the best shape in years. Uh, Ivan Nova should be very, should be good this year after he had a good last year. Um, it looks like uh, Miguel Pineda is finally healthy for the first time with the Yankees. And you also have um, – I'm just saying, they say he's lost over almost 20 pounds. Yeah, you got to take, take a look at some pictures of him. It's just weird. The problem with this team – and why is it right? And you got Corotta who's rocked out. But the problem with this team is that the infield looks like a mess. Mark Teixeira has lost a lot of his power. Brian Roberts is your second baseman. Brian Roberts should not be starting in baseball. I like Kelly Johnson. Who is Brian Roberts? He used to be the one that's second baseman for the Orioles. Ah. He's a, he a solid player, but he's been a hurt for the last several years. Kelly Johnson, I like, has a second baseman. He's never really played third. Derek Jeter's retiring, so he'll be uh, wistful when he goes. Mm-hmm. But he's 40, and he's lost a lot of his game. I mean, he's still a solid player. So that's why I think of right now, I think they will, they will be in the playoff line, uh, without question, and definitely a stronger team than last year, but not – and they won 85 games a year ago, pardon me. But Maybe like, wild card in that division? I think they could be in the wild card mix. I really think they will. I think – but I think – Nine, you're going to need at least 90 wins to get to the all, uh, get to the postseason, and I think that on the right, as of right now, I think they would be on the outside looking in. They are they are like a meatless sandwich. They have they have the bread of pitching and catchers, which are very good, and outfield is very good. Nothing in the middle. A very old Derek Jeter, a third baseman that was Alex Rodriguez, yeah. no more. A second baseman that was Robinson Cano, is no more. No more. Nope. And. Mark Teixeira, who you just said, is, is getting old and lost a lot of his power. Yeah. So how? So that is interesting to watch the Yankees. I'm excited for that pitching for that pitching lineup. I agree. Probably probably one of the best that I've seen here is, of course, nothing beats the uh, the Atlanta Braves of uh, John Smoltz, John Rocker, and uh, Greg Maddox. Oh boy. Oh boy. But. SP, uh, but our good friends at SB Nation have kept their raise winning the division. And I think that's the team I think will, is in the favorites right now. Their pitching is always awesome. You have to start with their starting rotation. They, uh, you got David Price, who was awesome down the stretch. Alex Cobb. I'm a big um, Matt Moore guy. Chris Archer. Jacob Rizzi. You got... Um, uh, they've kept a lot of their youth over the years. Matt, Matt Joyce is still there. Evan Longoria is still there. Mm-hmm. And... I think that 
They have a song lineup. Another team that loves to rock the platoons, which makes a lot of sense for them. Their small budget, so they their outfield or their lineup looks stronger at times than it really is. But a big thing for them is going to be full season of Will Myers, who is uh, they brought over in the James Shield trade. Very highly regarded prospect. Has a lot of power, and I think he could uh, potentially be a dark horse for MVP and give uh, Evan Longoria some uh, protection in the lineup. But I, I'm a big uh, – I like this uh, Rays team a lot this year. Joe Mann's an excellent manager. And I think I know right now, even above the Red Sox, I think they're the favorites in the division. You don't have, you don't have the Red Sox repeating this year. No, I don't. Are they in danger of making the playoffs? Um, I – I think they they will make the playoffs. I'd be surprised if they did. But what they're doing is interesting. On a bunch of position spots, it's, uh, you don't see this a lot, especially out of a defending champion. But they're going with a little bit of a youth movement. They'll start, Will Middlebrooks has got a lot of power, but was very inconsistent last year at third. Xander Bogart, so they're very excited about it. Shortstop, very tough. He played a little, he played a little last year, didn't he? He, did. he was very good in the postseason. He did. He got... Um, Grady Sizemore is the uh, center fielder before he inevitably gets hurt, like he always does. we got Jackie Bradley Jr. ready to go. He's a legitimate five-tool prospect. And this is a team that, they're again, they're going with a little bit of a youth movement. they got a solid rotation. It's not great, but it's not awful. Got, uh, it's consistent. Solid veteran guys. And you can do a lot worse than guys like Lester Lackey, who found his game last year, and Buck Holtz. Jake Peavy, it's a solid, very solid rotation. Not as good as Tampa's, but it's uh, it doesn't have any uh, bad guys, but it doesn't have anybody that's necessarily great. Boston still should be a playoff team. They uh, brought in more guys for their bullpen as well. They, sh- I would be very surprised. They could very well win the division, absolutely. But I would be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. But I could also see it happening. It's, I don't think it necessarily – out of the question. Yeah, the team had a slow start last year. I believe they lost 12 games in a row or something like that. They lost 12 games at the beginning of the year. Something everyone thought they sucked, they were trash, and then uh, kudos to John Farrell in his first year of managing. Yeah. And leading the team to the World Series and winning, plus they had the entire East Coast backing them, which was great. One of the coolest moments of seeing uh, the Red Sox parade. Yeah. David Ortiz and members of the BPD, the VFD. That was cool. One of, the, one of the best stories last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. And I'm not a Red Sox guy. Everyone knows I'm a Yankees fan. But that was a pretty great story last year. I have to give credit for that. Now time. Now it's time to pick uh, first our storylines before we get to our World Series winners. Last year it was the steroids. We saw Alex Rodriguez fight for months while he oh. still was playing. God. And then we saw Ryan Braun. We saw Yasuo Puig come out of nowhere in the middle of the summer and take the country by storm. We saw Boston Strong. This year we have a little something called Instant Replay. Okay. Well, as a baseball fan, are you, from a fan's perspective, is this something that we should, that they should, the fans should be excited to see, or is this going to permanently taint our, nas- taint our national pastime? I think it is uh, definitely a step in the right direction. I, I have been a person, among others, that have been that want more instant replay. I think you should have instant replay in everything except for balls and strikes. I am a proponent of balls and strikes being human errors, the home plate umpire. But I think that 
replay is something that is desperately beneath me. They kind of dip their toes in the water to feel feel the temperature with uh, the home runs. They slowly start to expand it. It worked a little last year. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a great idea. Um, because Joe, Joe Torre, when they announced this, sorry to cut you off, back back in, I think, January when they officially announced this, mm-hmm. Joe Torre, who is now the VP of player personnel. That's right. He's great. Years, a couple years. A few years now. He was saying that it's you can only do it after the fifth inning. Yeah. Or like the last three innings. There's, there's something, it's, uh, I forget, specifics. But it's definitely a step in the right direction. But it gives it gives managers more power, which is good considering they're the coach, they're the ones running this team, win or lose. And plus, the past few playoff years, we've seen pretty questionable calls that could have gone either way, like the great uh, the Cardinals-Braves game, which they threw trash on the field because of the, uh, the crazy rule that you tried to explain to me once. Um the wild card game two years Oh, ago. The, uh, the, the bizarre infield fly rule. Yep. Completely ridiculous. But I think that, yeah, definitely instant replay. It's a good thing. I don't. I think that when people hear people like, oh, it's going to ruin the rhythm of the game, I don't agree with that. I don't think. And and, and they're going to have like kind of like a command center. And I've seen pictures of it. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And I think this is something that they should do in the NFL. They they kind of do it in the NHL a little bit. They, yeah, they, they play tickets to Toronto. Uh, yeah, the NBA. I think that all the leagues should do something like this. You should have guys that are watching all the games, and their sole job is to replay to replays instead of having a referee, and like in the NFL where they go in a little box and it's just, I mean, you know, it's just weird. So I think that is something they should do across sports. I think it is a great idea. And I applaud Bud Seal, I guess, as the term as commissioner starts to wind down over the next couple of years for having the, um, uh, you know, kind of the vision to make replay a thing and move baseball further into the 21st century. All right, and finally, Flo, big storylines that you want to, that you're anxious for in your World Series winner. Um, storylines, I think that the wild card race in the National League, I think, is going to be awful. I think that division win- the division winners, uh, beyond that, I think the wild card race. I do like the – I have become a fan of that one-game wild card playoff. I think that's actually been a very good move, something I was very skeptical about, and I think it's been pretty good for baseball. But I think the National League wild card race is just going to be awful. But I think beyond, like, Washington, uh, St. Louis – maybe the Dodgers, there's, like, a bunch of decent, good to decent teams, but there's no, like, it's not going to be like last year where it was a race to the top for the wild card. I think at a wild card race, it's going to be disappointing. I think the AL East this year, as always, very deep. I would not rule it out that it becomes a five-game race. We didn't talk about Toronto. Toronto had terrible injury luck last year. And while their pitching has a lot of questions, their lineup is awesome. So I think we could even see a five-team Play, uh, uh, potential race in the AL East. I will think another storyline people are going to watch out for, Kansas City Royals, can they get to the postseason for the first time after, uh, you know, the Pirates break the long losing uh, streak, finally get back to the postseason. Kansas City has been in the playoffs almost 30 years. Can they get back? And I think they can. The World Series predictions, um, 
Hmm. I'm going to go with the, wow, um, at least the game. I think it's going to be the St. Louis Cardinals and the Oakland A's as of right now, and I think the Cardinals win the World Series. You saw it. I have the Cardinals winning the World Series. I will change it for the sake of playing devil's advocate. Oh, Storylines I'm looking for, Derek Jeter's last season. We saw Mariano Rivera capture the hearts of, of the West Coast, because he's already in the hearts of the East Coast. He's one of the greatest closer, greatest closer of all time. How will the captain respond? Because many are saying, oh, he waited an extra year because he wanted Mariano Rivera to have uh, his fun in the sun. What is G- so once Jeter finishes the season, I want him to make it to September, October. I don't want him to get hurt and forced to retire. I agree. I want to see him close it out. Because he is one of the only few baseball players that was around when, when I watched baseball back in like the 90s. Second thing is just the pitcher from the Yankees. Takanara? Tanaka. Tana- Who is Takanara? Takanara? We'll look at on the course break. Taka- uh, Tanaka. Yeah. How does he do? Because this guy reminds me a lot of uh, the great Daisuke Matsuzaka. Oh, Who had the gyro ball. And, 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 and the gyro ball that never existed. Exactly. It's, it's so good. It never existed. He, his first year, Boston won the World Series. Except the, the Colorado Rockies. So, will this guy lead the Yankees to a good postseason? And I'm interested to see how Yasuo Puig does in a full season because uh, he was a, very, a big surprise. But now that he's in a full year, his over-the-edgeness could cost him a season-ending injury. How did they respond after losing? How did the Nationals respond after losing? I'm excited. I want to see them win. We love, a good, we love teams winning in, in the district. My World Series in the American League. Oof. Yeah, it's it's tough because I don't think there's any real. I thought about like a team like Tampa. I almost picked Tampa. In fact, I may pick Tampa on my predictions. Oakland was a team I was kind of feeling at the moment. So, well, my heart says the Rangers, but I doubt it. Uh, I'm gonna put your Yankees in the in the in the World Series. I think the, the, the greatest moment last year was seeing Joe Girardi literally throw in the towel in a 2-0 loss to the Rangers. I think, I think, the, I think now that all the A-Rod stuff is done, they can focus on playing. And good pitching usually wins you World Series. I was to the Yankees and the National. I would love to see a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. And my winner, you'll have to check out later. If you go into commercial break, Listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com. We have college basketball coming up next. Stay tuned. It's Fanatic Radio. What's wrong with that? He fought for his country. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. 
know that along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words Or ancient melodies She turned to me as if to say Hurry boy, it's waiting there for you
Fanatic Radio. I have no decision-making capability on this program. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. on blogtalkradio.com, Fanatic Radio, my gardener, Ben Florence, Aaron Graham. I have the day off because he has a conference call with his internship. So wish him the best of, before an internship, wish him the best of luck for that. I thought he was with his folks. Well, he was, but then he also has stuff with internship. Oh. Uh, interesting fact that ties into our next segment. The Dayton Flyers, congrats to them, making the Elite Eight. They are going for the first time since 1984. Flo and I were not alive then. Well, but... No comment. Um, shoot, where are we going? Oh, yeah. 1984 was the first launch of the Shuttle Discovery, which is now in Dulles Airport. I thought it was there in Space Museum. Oh, is that Dulles? Yeah. Oh. Kind of on display at Dullas. Great airport. Um, so college basketball... We continue the second half of Sweet 16 games tonight. We saw some some good some good games yesterday, uh, more including the Arizona Wildcats squeaking out a tough win against Steve Fisher, San Diego State Aztecs. And, uh, who else played yesterday? Oh, Wisconsin crushed Baylor, and Florida toughed out a very good UCLA team. Now, tonight, we have a much-anticipated game featuring the Louisville Cardinals and John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Michigan-Tennessee, Iowa State-UConn, and another marquee matchup. But a lot of people are now starting to uh, hop on the fence and debate and flip-flop. UVA-Michigan State, and that game will be at the God and Flow. We have some decent and solid regional semifinal games today. Who do you have advancing to the Elite Eight? Um, I think that the Elite Eight, because we got tonight, you got first game is – I can pull this up. Oh, why am I trying to blank? I know I was thinking about something else. Uh, first game, Michigan-Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, Your darling of the tournament, including the B-Flows bracket. Yeah, I did have them in the Sweet 16, which means I have them correct, but I did also have them losing Michigan. I'm not enough to go away from my bracket now. I think that Tennessee, they're not a great three-point shooting team. I think uh, Michigan's going to shoot the ball very well. I think they will advance. You know, Tennessee's very good interior will uh, cause some habits down low. I think that could be a decent game. In uh, Indianapolis. We also like to remind you fans, before we go off at actualblogtireradio.com, check out the podcast on iTunes. Yes. Also, go back for, before we go back to college basketball, oh. uh, quick shout out. We were named uh, Best Guest of the Month. We'd love to thank Kate Buck and her agency as we'll be sending you the, uh, the screenshot of our wonderful award. But you, you were saying and talking to our good friend John Lee, the Kentucky Louisville game. Potential bracket buster tonight because we thought that uh, Wichita State had a chat game with Kentucky. And then Kentucky actually won a very young team, which is starting to gel at the right time. 
they could they could probably beat Louisville because Louisville almost lost to Manhattan. Did you see that happen? Uh, I definitely think they could. Kentucky, is, for the last couple weeks, they're finally playing like the team everyone thought they were where they were the preseason number one. They definitely were underseeded as an eight. That was ridiculous. And I think that now everyone's saying, you got people saying, oh, well, Wichita State's overrated. Well, they, uh, Kentucky had to play perhaps their best game of the year, and Wichita State had a chance to win at the horn. Because Wichita, I'm sorry, if people don't want to admit it, yes, they didn't make the Sweet 16. This Wichita State team was damn good. But besides my little rants aside. Well, that guy, Planting um, early, is going to be a very good NBA player. He was awesome. He, he was, like, dropped like 30. He was great, man. And that double, Kentucky, double. they've got a lot of talent. They're probably still the most purely talented team um, in America. And now they're playing the hated Louisville. you got the famous animosity between Tino and Calipari. So, but I think, and I definitely can see Kentucky win this game. I do think Louisville, they're excellent defense. You know, a lot of people could say, well, they had grinder wins. They barely beat Manhattan. They struggled to beat St. Louis. But I look at those games that even when their team wasn't playing well, they got – they do what they needed to do down the stretch to get the win. That's how you win games. You're not going to blow every team out in the NCAA tournament or just in general. You're going to have games with your defense, which their defense is one of the best in the country. Uh, it's going to have to pull out wins, and I think Louisville wins tonight. That's what Steve Kerr said last night. Uh, as much as people want to criticize Louisville for beating Rutgers by 60, uh, you mentioned the old the old adage, survive in advance. Exactly. Definitely the case. Louisville has done that. The game against Manhattan, Luke Hancock, had two huge threes to, uh, to avoid the first round upset, or second round, excuse me, upset. That's right. And but see, you said the defense, best defense in the country, Virginia, goes up against a very talented Michigan State team. Exactly. People have had people who have chose Michigan State. Now all of a sudden they see this Virginia team that won the regular season and tournament. Yep. In the ACC, they beat a, a, a decent, talented Duke team. They who was the eight nine seed they won against? Uh, wow, um, Pittsburgh. No, Florida. No, no, that was Florida. You're right. Um, oh no, it was Memphis. It was Memphis uh, over GW, and then beat a good Memphis team. Virginia, yeah, solid Memphis team. But uh, you mentioned earlier today when we were talking before the show. Yeah. Virginia is very prone to when the when they when they stall out. Yeah. When Joe Harris isn't making his threes, and when they're not pounding it inside, they pretty much just fiddle. Yeah, you see that a few times this year. The way they play their offense, they love to grind teams down. They play awesome defense, so they keep games low scoring. When they keep games low scoring, that also even if the team's offense isn't working then that also still keeps them around the game. And you would see games, Virginia, if they've had to score a lot of points this year, like if the like scoring is going up, they there are times where they'll just almost like sit it out and be like, we're not going to win this, essentially. And there are times their offense gets cold and they can't make a bucket. I think Michigan State, definitely not as good defensively, but I think they're better offensively. I think they're more a well-rounded team. Adrian Payne is playing awesome right now. The very solid veteran club. Tony Thomas knows how to get the gun, gets it done. That should be a good game tonight. Great one to watch. But I do think that Michigan State will come out on top and survive and advance, as you say. So you have um, 
Michigan State and Louisville. Yep. Michigan. Yep. And the UConn Iowa State game. Iowa State. Uh, a very close win against North Carolina. That's right. That was a wild finish. A very, very wild finish in which the timeout into the game. Yeah, that was, which is laughable. And then UConn, who has come out of nowhere, has had a uh, great play from Boatwright, Shabazz Napier. They have a tough former Big East team to go ahead against the Big 12 champs. You think Iowa State will advance? Uh, I don't. I actually have UConn winning. I actually predicted UConn to get to the Elite Eight. And so I like this UConn team a lot. They got very good guard play. Shabazz Napier was awesome against Villanova. An overrated Villanova team, but still, he was brilliant. Which essentially was a former conference team. Exactly. And he's showing a little shade to Kemba Walker. We remember what Kemba Walker did. Our national championship. That's right. Largely on the back end, you had Jeremy Lamb, you had Oyaki. But it was largely uh, a huge part of that was Kevin Walker playing amazing in that tournament. I don't think Shabazz Napier is Kevin Walker, but he's at least doing a good impersonation. I love always love good impersonation. I like UConn tonight. Uh, George Niang, I would say was without him, but their offense was still strong uh, to beat uh, a good North Carolina team. But I think that the guard play for UConn will be the difference tonight. I think UConn will advance. Interesting. Like a, a bit of an upset, if you will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. I like Iowa State, though. I think Fred Hoiberg is a good coach. Oh, he's awesome. And not only is he a great coach, he is one of the few great coaches that knows how to manage the clock at the end of games. Very NBA. Exactly. So when he goes to the NBA, that'll be fun. And then, of course, he's going up against another NBA player, and uh, Kevin Ollie. Another good coach. Yeah, that's, that's a chess match, because both teams have, have good talent. They do. I think in terms uh, you mentioned guard plays is uh, UConn. In uh, the sort of swingman, shooting guard, small forward position, I think I would say DeAndre Kane and uh, Ebum. Is that his name? What was it? Oh, Ejim. Ejim. Those two make a very good two and three guard. Because I would say if they can grind out against a tough North Carolina team, it's a very physical game. Well, basically every game tonight is going to be, you know, gloves off, bare-fisted, hard-nosed, down to the end, except for, like, Tennessee-Michigan. That, that could either go that could go either way. Tennessee's playing out of their minds right now because they are. Their first four team has nothing to lose, and it definitely should. And they were, and they were a very good team anyways. They got underseeded uh, as it shows. But still a very solid team. Claude Lamar is a solid coach. The schedule for the fans who are listening to this uh, tip-off for Tennessee-Michigan, 7:15 Eastern. And then you have the 7:27 game, Iowa State-UConn. Later tonight, 9:45, Louisville-Kentucky. And just before 10 o'clock on TBS, Virginia-Michigan State. That being said, next time we are on the air, that's right, we'll be... In North Texas. Uh, AT&T Stadium will be hosting the Final Four. That's right. Only four teams can make it, as mental math tells us. Yes. Then Florida. So you so have the teams at the top of the bracket, Florida versus Dayton, Arizona versus Wisconsin. And have your predictions, Michigan State, UConn, Louisville, Michigan. That's right. Who goes to Dallas? I think the four teams that are going to be in Dallas, my Final Four still take up. Still going with it. It will be Florida. It will be Arizona. Michigan State and Louisville, a pair of one-four matchups. Yeah, that is a surprising Final Four because the two teams that are fourth clearly un- clearly underseeded, or or at least they're finally put, 
like they had back and forth years, but they finally the last month have started to play like the team we thought they would be at the start of the year. Like Michigan State finally got healthy, for example. Would Niang be healthy by the time if Iowa State played Michigan? No, he's uh, he's done for the year. If he was, I could I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa State. I agree. When they won the Big Twelve tournament, I tweeted saying they are the dark horse of the NCAA They're tournament. They're a great team. Without size, though, I do not think they can hang with Michigan State. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I could even go as far as saying they could win the national. I agree. I think they can. They have guys Gary Harris, Keith Appling, Payne, guys off the bench. House of Payne, Caleb Perry's House of Payne, House of Payne. They're and they're very well coached. Yeah, of course. So I think Florida's going to pretty much be Dayton. I think that they should. Dayton's been a great story. They'll shoot the ball well, but they're not. They're a terrible matchup for Florida. Florida should run them out of the gym. But, of course, struggle to beat uh, Albany. And Pittsburgh made it interesting. So, but uh, let's be honest. Florida has only, so there's, there's been two teams that, for me, have shown that they can not only beat teams, but grind it out early and get it done. Florida is one. And the second, which I would not be surprised if they did make the final four, is Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Every game they've played has been a blowout. They killed us, rightfully so. They beat Oregon, who many in some brackets had Oregon upsetting Wisconsin. And then in the Sweet 16 game last night, they throttled a Baylor team by 17 points. So their margin of victory has has been, with, with us, kind of skews it. But they've been winning games by, like, 25-plus points. If they can shoot the ball well, I can see them upsetting Arizona. Because Arizona struggled against San Diego. It was all right. It wasn't that good. But compared to all the four seeds in the rest of the bracket, the Michigan State, the Louisville, UCLA, San Diego State wasn't really that good. But, well, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. Awesome the, they were an awesome defensive team. That's why that Arizona State game, or that Arizona game was classic. They're both great uh, defensive teams. And San Diego State went for a solid amount of the game. I thought they were a very good team, but I felt that their offense was not deep enough to take to eventually win against Arizona, and you saw that last night. But I, I, I don't necessarily agree with what you just said, if, if uh, you you've, uh, allow me to disagree. But I think it was a good team. Steve Fisher's a great coach, but I think they went about as far as they could go. Another thing, Xavier Thames, my dad was saying, texting me last night saying he should be all-tournament team. He should. He was awesome last night. He, and he's been great all year for San Diego State. But, yeah, if Wisconsin can make threes, and they've, they've been a very good second-half team. They have. They, yeah, we saw that. We saw that firsthand. <laughs> They're a very good second-half team, but that's the only tough game for me because Nick, I think Nick Johnson and Aaron Gordon is the best one-two punch in the country, aside from um, Gary Harris and Trevor Payne. Uh-huh. And uh, Scotty Wilbekin and Patrick Young. That being said, I would be surprised if Wisconsin makes the Final Four. I don't think they will. So I'm, I'm going to the, I'm, because my Final Four is the exact same as yours with Florida, Arizona, Michigan State, and Louisville. I would not be surprised if Wisconsin won. I would not be surprised if Kentucky beat Louisville tonight. Because that's a game where they have nothing to lose. And then a common opponent, because Kentucky's played Louisville this year? Um, they did last year. They, now, this is a game where Calipari will just go 
balls to the wall and saying, we got to be so physical with this team that that's wrecking stars will rise to the challenge. I would not be surprised if I agree. Kentucky. I, you know what? I could see Kentucky winning it all. I really can. Really? This team has so much talent that if they're clicking, they can win it all. And, again, that Wichita State-Kentucky game, that was one of the best games. I mean, you're not they were down by nine. this tournament. That's one of the best tournament games I've seen in a long time. That game was awesome. And Kentucky was great. If they play like that, they can win it all. They can, they can make the they Final can. Four. I think it's, I mean, I, I, I thought I'm going to change it. They beat Louisville, they're going to make the Final Four. I agree. And I agree. if Wisconsin catches fire against Arizona, they can make it. But other than that, the Final Four is the same. Yeah. Yeah, UConn and Michigan State going to be very interesting. I agree. Because that that's sort of like when, who did Kemba Walker's team beat to go to the Final Four? Who did they beat in the Final Four? Um, they beat. Um, they beat Michigan State. They have Michigan State to play the Butler team, which ironically, when they first made the Final Four, was an eight seed for fans that are kings and queens. That year they were an eight seed. Kings and queens of the skepticism. An eight seed Butler. No, you can't beat Kentucky. Yes, but that wasn't like the that's loaded Kentucky. That that was was, all year. That was. Um, What's that, John Wall? Uh, I know it was Brendan Knight, Terry Jones. Then the year after, uh, oh, Kentucky had that fight. No, that was like, yeah, that was not um, DeAndre Liggins, Darius Miller, Brandon Knight was their guy. But, and, and UConn won by one. But, yeah, the highest seed in the final four was a three seed. You had a three, a four, an eight, and an 11. Ew. Which was that in Houston? That was. Reliant Stadium. That going to that Reliant. Excellent. Big predictions. Looking forward to uh, the Elite Eight games and Absolutely. games tonight. Those are definitely knockdown dragouts. We'll go uh, to the NBA before we close out the show. And Flo's favorite and everyone in America's favorite after this week is debut on Fox Sports 1. Mike Francesa had a little something to say on WFAN about his beloved Knicks. I decided to... Watch the Knicks play L.A. Or attempt to watch the Knicks play L.A. And wound up having to sit through three quarters because what we got to see after a reasonable Knicks first quarter was the worst two quarters of basketball maybe in Knicks history and without question the worst quarter of basketball in Knicks history. The Knicks last night against a D-League team of players that the staunchest of NBA fans could not pick out of a lineup. They gave up 87 points in two quarters in the second and third quarters. And the third quarter, the Knicks or whoever was masquerading in Nick uniforms, these dogs, these bums who were out there on the court last night against Phil Jackson's old team against their old coach playing for what is supposed to be a playoff spot. They allowed a bunch of D-leaguers to score 51 points in the third quarter. The Zahn Sports Club was furious that the Knicks gave up a Lakers franchise record 51 points. The game he is referring to was... On Wednesday or Tuesday, twenty-four. It was on March twenty-fifth. 
that was that was Tuesday. So he was, that the his commentary on the game was on Wednesday, but the game was Tuesday night. And anyway, so the Lakers won 127-96, and the New York Knicks gave up a franchise record 51 points in the third quarter, as which Francesco said, to a bunch of D-leaguers. Yeah, I mean, this Lakers team is not good. It's pretty bad. They played out of their minds, and it was just comical for the for what the Knicks did. For the fact that a bench of Xavier Henry, Nick Young, and Kent Bazemore. Yes. Dropped over 18-plus points each. That is bad. Come on, fill me in again. Okay, I, it's comical. This is a, I can be, I mean, this is great because this is a The Knicks may still be a playoff team. That's how awful. You know, what's, what's comical is that of the, the, uh, the team that is going to, that's probably going to have the 11th best record in the NBA, it's something ridiculous like that. The team that would have the 11th best record in the NBA would miss the playoffs. It's everybody in the West and the two top teams in the East. Think about that. How absurd is that? That is bad. That was like, well, that's even worse than Gold State. They either were like 50 games and they missed the playoffs. Because the West is good as always. And the West is, and the East is just, it's very good at the top. It's, pass, it's got to be passable in the middle. Chicago is a lot better than they should be. Toronto is awesome. Toronto's played very well. Even Brooklyn's been solid. But the rest is just awful. It's, it's, it's so laughably bad. It's, it really is. It segues perfectly to our next, uh, our but next topic. But uh, and I do want to say something. It's not okay. It's okay that it's so bad because it's all but guarantees we'll have the Miami-Indiana matchup. Everybody wants. They played a physical game on Wednesday. Holy cow. Yeah, but Pacers won. So they right. they, uh, they sweep the series. They may have. They may have. In a, in a series, yeah, uh, if you could check on that. If they swept the series, uh, this, just to, just to give everyone an idea, the uh, the Knicks are now a game and a half behind Hotlanta, who has a thirty-one and forty overall record. <laughs> so the word basically that and a thirty-one and forty record in the West is the New Orleans Hornets, which are fourth to last. So as the playoff picture, if it was to start today. The future. The Pacers in the one seed. They're three games ahead of Miami. They're probably going to win the one seed. Because apparently the NBA season ends in two weeks, which we'll be bracing for that. Yeah, as, that? as the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards is currently the sixth seed. But the eighth seed be Atlanta, seventh seed, the Charlotte Bobcats, who has the actually one of these stories of the year. Another story of the year is a team that beat the Wizards on Wednesday night. The Phoenix Suns would be the eighth seed. My beloved Dallas Mavericks would not make it. And the Portland Jailblazers would be fifth with the top four seeds in the West being San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Los Angeles, Clippers, and the Houston Rockets. But with a team with an even worse record, Philadelphia 76ers, who tied an NBA record the other night when they were handed their their 26 straight Lost in a row last night. 
But the funny thing was, head coach Brett Brown said after the game, quote, we still don't have the poorest record in the league. <laughs> when you look at the realities of where we ended up, it's not as painful and as shocking as it may seem to others. What is worse, Flo, having the worst record in this year's East or losing 26 straight games? I think it's still losing 26 straight games. It is kind of comical that they've lost 26 straight games, and they're not even the worst team overall record in basketball, let alone the conference. But I think the 26-game losing streak, that there's, I mean, that's a record. That's very hard to do, to lose 26 games in a row. No matter you know, we can talk about tanking and all that jazz until the cows come home. But it's still very tough to go out and lose every single night for that long a stretch. I just, yeah, not just lose. Lose pretty bad. They've lost a lot of these games. Yeah. One game they were losing, I think, by like 50 points at halftime. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, and on, the, on their website, it says, building the next big thing for Philadelphia. What are you building? A losing team? They're already looking forward to next year. They don't care. That's right. It's so bad. Which shows how messed up the, the, the tanking issue is in the NBA, although it is the world we currently live in. But still, they're like in a row. There are some college teams that are in this NCAA tournament that could beat this Sixers team. All right, team. let's not get carried away. I think so. Uh Maybe. I could see. The Michigan State team could be. But it's still the, you know, the one thing about that, that argument that people don't understand. And people are saying, even on god-awful NBA teams, there's still guys that were, like, the best players in college basketball. And on even the best teams, look at Florida. How many guys on that Florida team are going to sniff a roster? Not that many, in, at least in the NBA. So they had, they had this talk when I think the, when the Wizards were ch- were chasing this record, them and the Cavaliers. A yeah. lot of people were saying that Georgetown team with uh, uh, Otto Porter, maybe I don't know Monroe. Oh no, it was they. they many were saying the uh, the Kentucky team that won the national championship, Anthony Davis yeah. and company, Terrence Jones. Many were saying that team could beat the Wizards. Yeah. Well, like you said, the amount of time and effort that NBA players put into practice. There's no way. And not only that, they make good games, though. not only that, think of how many guys come out of college in a raw. Especially those Kentucky guys, a lot of them were freshmen. Anthony Davis had a great rookie year. Now he's playing out of his mind. But, I mean, that Anthony Davis I don't, is not going to go out and I think necessarily dominate. So that's the one thing about that argument that people don't understand. It's a, it's a great thing to talk about because the Sixers are just god all atrocious right now. And, but, of course, they still have the worst record in basketball, which shows that there was a time where Philadelphia was actually doing all right at the start of the year. So, completely they beat the heat. They did beat the heat. One of so, Miami's 2022 20, losses. So, it's just it's a mess. A total mess. That is laughably bad. Another thing I definitely want to touch on before we uh, sign off is um, – uh, first of all, the Steve, Steve Massiello story. While we're sticking on the thing of basketball, that's absurd. That is. And apparently he, he's, he's not coming back to Manhattan, is he? Uh, well, they put him on a leave of absence while they said, well, if he sorts out what's going on with Kentucky, which I think I have no problem with. Cause, and one thing that we don't know how far short he is, because he went to Kentucky for four years. I don't know how you go to Kentucky for four years. 
or any school for four years and not graduate. But, again, I don't know. I wasn't there. So we don't know what he is short. Maybe he could, I think it was uh, the guy on a uh, one and done or whatever, uh, college basketball blog at SA.com. So it could be parking tickets, a class, who knows. But I think that, you know, Manhattan as a rule, as a lot of schools do, full-time, college co- full-time coaches need to be college graduates, which makes sense. And they can't bring him in if he doesn't have a college graduate. He wasn't a graduate. I think that was, and I think that when they give another coach a less old profile, profile one, one that did have the same amount of success, would they allow a guy like that to be brought back? Probably not. So I don't think they can bring him back. I'm not saying Steve Maciel's career should be over. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to coach ever again. But I think he, I think Manhattan can't bring him back. I, I can't. I don't think they can do it. I think you got to make a stand. Yep. And, again, it's the rule. Manhattan didn't know about it. That's one thing. This isn't the Eddie Jordan thing where last year where Rutgers didn't know about it. The guy went to Rutgers, said he graduated from Rutgers. They clearly didn't do him enough of a background check because all they had to do was go to the registrar's office. This guy graduated. They would have told him no. And that's also a school where you don't need to graduate. And this came out after he was hired. South Florida had agreed to hire him, but they just went, did a routine background check and found this out and said they couldn't do it. That's, laugh, that's, that's, that's kind of a joke, considering he had other coaching jobs. Exactly. Before Manhattan, even before. And he was hired by Manhattan. And how is it? Greg Doyle had a great point. We talked about this the other day. Would he have gotten any of these jobs had it was known he didn't have a college, uh, did not have a college degree? And probably not. That's what the, the whole thing is just bizarre. Don't lie to your resume. And it's David. a dumb mistake on his part, but I, and he should suffer the consequences of that. And and as Doyle also said, put your resume to get ahead. It's not necessarily a victimless crime because the guy you beat out, maybe he didn't fudge on his resume. Exactly. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, it's message message to the kids of America out there. Don't lie on your resume. Otherwise, you'll end up like like uh, George O'Leary and Steve Masciello. Of course, George O'Leary kind of redeemed himself. He won the Fiesta Bowl this year, but I'm digressing. And finally, I want to touch on before we close out. So, uh, the Eastern Regional is in the Garden, and uh, that will be hosting two good events in the next two weeks. Obviously, the regionals tonight, which is great seeing it back in the college basketball arena before it gets ruined at a 100,000 uh, 100, arena where nosebleeds will be literally nosebleeds. That's right. But at least in this venue, you do have the big, massive TV screen. But it's nice to see it's nice to see the regionals in, in the Honda Center and the FedEx Forum, a chance uh, with great basketball arenas as they should return to and get rid of these stupid arenas because all the NCAA is doing is wanting the money for it. As a great tweet by a... Uh, uh, Adrian Foster, the running back for the Texans. Mm, Arian, Arian. Arian Foster, who hates the NCAA. Yes, he does. And the reason for that is ticket prices. Uh, and I just Googled this right now. Stop uh, this is originally This is originally uh, asked, requested to do this by my brother, John Gardner. He legendary. Because I want to give a quick shout-out to the SMU Mustangs. They got snubbed from the tournament, yeah. but are in the semifinals of the NIT. How about that? Congrats to Larry Brown and the Ponies. And they take on Clemson and the the final four of what was the greatest tournament in college basketball. But and where it gets out of control is one how much people love college basketball, one how absurd the garden is with tickets. 
a ticket to the postseason NIT, according to our good friends at StubHub. And this is just, you'll see four games, the two games, Clemson SMU, Minnesota, Florida State. How much do you think a ticket to that game would cost? Uh, for uh, Virginia, Michigan State? No, the, uh, the, the NIT. Oh, the NIT? At the Garden. At, at Madison Square Garden. Um, uh, $270. Even lower. Some of us charging tickets. This is also next week, April 1st is the final four. $23.70. Wow. I would, $23. I would go. Exactly. See, see, but then how much do you think a regional ticket for tonight's uh, series of games? Oh, no, I, I don't know where I get it. $270. I was terrible guess. Um, I'll go two seventy for that. Even higher. The stuff is selling for almost four hundred dollars. If you do some mental math with that, we're giving a lot of shout out to mental math. Exactly. So that you're seeing, you're seeing two games. You're seeing Iowa State, Connecticut. You're seeing Virginia, Michigan State. Uh, when it boils down, it's both college basketball. Obviously, one has higher implications than the other, but that is almost a three hundred and seventy-five dollar difference. $400 for a ticket, you're, and you're seeing 40 minutes each game, so you're almost getting a 400 divided by 80. How much is that? That's, that's five. God, that's... What could you buy with $400? So just, uh, just, just to do some math, so for about $400 a ticket, you're seeing two games, you're seeing about 80 minutes of basketball. Yes. That's timeouts, uh, media timeouts, halftime aside. Basically getting $5 a minute. $5 a minute? I could buy you a, bit, a meal at, at a small restaurant. It would buy you about five cheeseburgers at McDonald's. Yep. $400, that's like a car payment. And there's some cars with... with and we love cars. And then if you buy, if you buy for both sessions, Jeez. for a Sweet 15 and a it's $800. It's almost a $400 increase. For a second session, I don't know what the garden is doing. Apparently, uh, my good friend Melinda, who works in the marketing department, who we love, said they are charging well, almost know. four times more than, let's say, the Honda Center or the FedEx Forum. Well, it's also you're in New York and you're in the venue, you know, the self-proclaimed most famous venue in the world. That just was heavily renovated, but um, and but it's also the thing go, going in New York. Yeah, that's just, that's tickets certainly were not that much when they were playing in Newark. And Newark drew great, exactly. Oh, oh you are living la vida loca. Tickets, tickets won't even be that expensive for a Knicks game because they're just trash. As as, uh, as as we talked about, as Francesca says, it's just a bunch of bums. Yep. These dogs. That's so insane. How yeah. much people would would uh. We'd go, we'd, we'd go to the notes to go see a college basketball game. I, mean, I love college basketball as much as the next guy. That is a lot of money. Any final shout-outs you want to get before we sign off? Um, good or bad happened in the week of sports or in pop culture? Uh, wow. Uh, you know, so Kim and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are on the cover of both. Yes. I mean, they're degenerates. I don't care. I think they're basically losers. So whatever, I'm not a huge celebrity guy with that. Um, but people are like all up in arms because Vogue is supposed to be so high class and supposed to be an honor. I'm like, who the hell 
cares who's on the cover of Vogue magazine? There are people that are like, I'm going to unsubscribe now. Well, like, because of these two people, I mean, sure. They're, 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 I mean, who cares about these people? I mean, it's a magazine. It's a like, magazine. It's just a magazine. Yep, on, on Australian TV, uh, famous famous uh, model Naomi Campbell uh, denied to comment what her thoughts of it were. Uh, that's hilarious. I actually did hear about that. My favorite moment of the week. Like, come on. My favorite moment of the week I actually saw from your Facebook feed, and of course it's been blowing up the internet. Yep. Bill Murray wearing Cavs blue ribbon. Uh, that was, guy all golf. That was awesome. That is. That's why we love Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Is a freaking hero. He's a god. He's amazing. We love shout out to Bill Murray. And on that note, for all of us here at uh, BlogTalkRadio.com, check out the podcast on iTunes and go to BeefFlow360.com to listen to it. Ben Florence, I'm Mike Gardner. So long. We'll see you next week.